Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm gonna f***! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 129 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin. No Bridget tonight. She's broadcasting, or she was off broadcasting. Um, the Bruins defeated the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, extending their home winning streak to 14 games to start the year. They beat the Avalanche 5-1, and there's a lot of great to take from this game, Scott, but 20-3 and overall. I mean... This is insane in a, in a league where parity is king. I mean, you can be a top team in the league, but to only have three losses, you know, what are we seven weeks into the season? I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, it really is. And we're now more, we all have this three week stretch highlighted late November, early into like second week of December. We're now ha- more than halfway through that nine game stretch. Uh, they've played five. And they're four and one in these five. And, you know, you beat the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. Two wins over the Lightning, who have won the conference the last three years. You beat the Carolina Hurricanes, who 
knocked you out of the playoffs last year and swept you in the regular season. Like it hasn't slowed them down at all. They just keep going. And look, we mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast, but Colorado is banged up, like especially up front. Uh, no Gabriel Landeskog, no Valerie Nishushkin, no Evan Rodriguez. Tonight they lose Arturi Lekkinen in the first period. So, like, yes, there's a caveat there. You didn't get the abs at full strength. But if the Bruins play like this, I'm not sure it even matters. I mean, the Lightning have been pretty much at full strength and they've beaten them. Like, the Bruins are just playing at such a level that it's like when they play like this, no one's going to be able to match them. Or at the very least, no one's going to be able to... uh, certainly not going to be able to like dominate them. Like that's never going to happen. The only way that they're ever going to lose a game comfortably is if they have an off night, which will happen at some point. And, you know, they'll probably hit some injuries that'll slow them down. But like, you know, Martian was saying that tonight after the game, he was like, we're going to hit some adversity at some point. And that's usually good. Like teams have to go through that. And, and he said, you know, we really haven't hit any yet. And I was kind of thinking, I was like, well, that's not even really entirely true. Like, they did have a lot of injuries uh, to start the year, including Marshawn himself being out, McAvoy being out. Like, run through all the other guys who were getting injured for a couple games here and there, you know, whether it was uh, Hall at one point, Krejci, uh obviously Forbert's missed time recently, Grizzlick was out to start the season, Carlo missed a couple games, like, they actually have had a bunch of injuries. So there has actually been some adversity there and didn't matter. And now they're completely healthy or, you know, very close to it. I guess, you know, Craig Smith might still be a little banged up, but man, it's like when, when everything's, when everyone's there and they're playing like this, it's like, how, like who really stands all that much of a chance? And yeah, there's going to be losses. Like we know that, but when they're on top of their game, there's just other teams are really going to struggle to beat them. And like, I don't think even a full strength avalanche team would have beaten them tonight. You know, I mean, the Bruins are rolling five to one, like Avs got it to three, one. And you're like, Oh, maybe they could make it a little bit interesting. And then the Bruins just turn it on, score twice in 10 seconds, game over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned the forwards up front for the avalanche that, we're not in the lineup and on the back end, considering you have less defensemen than forwards over the course of a game, the fact that they're missing Bo Byram and Josh Manson. Yeah. It's less bodies than they're missing up front, but you also have less defensemen, right? It's six, six versus 12. So it, it honestly kind of evens out when you're talking about the impact of, of injuries on both sides of the puck for, for Colorado. I mean, Manson's a big body uh, and Bo Byram is a, um, fluid skater good puck move that they were missing but as you alluded to the Bruins won this game five to one and it wasn't all that close I mean Colorado had one push in the you know the third period when they got a fortunate goal to make it three to one but besides that like the Bruins just smothered them and they're making the defending Stanley Cup champions they look like just another team out there they look no different than the other teams the Bruins have walked through this season and you can talk about the injuries that Colorado had going into the, into the game. Okay. Um, they still had Nathan McKinnon. They still had Kale McCarr. They still had Miko Rantanen. And those guys, as good as they are, 
there was they didn't impact the game tonight. It, and and that's because the Bruins, well, first of all, structurally they're they're very sound. Their work ethic is is second to none. That's the biggest thing with this Bruins team is that yes, they're deep, yes, they have talent, but you watch how they hunt pucks, you watch how their second and third effort on pucks are they're outworking their opponents. And that is why that is the main reason why they are winning these games because there are a lot of talented rosters in, in, in NHL past that haven't got off to this start. Right. And, um, and as far as like the Bruins facing adversity and you mentioned this as well, but they've had their injuries this year. It's not like, it's not like they've they're 23 games into the year and they haven't had hit the injury bug yet. They've hit it. Um, it's just been kind of staggered, but you don't notice it as much with them. And this is kind of a testament to Colorado, right? Or, or not to Colorado, but to the Bruins compared to other, the other best teams. Colorado hits the injury bug. They play an elite team like Boston, and they look average. Now, Colorado, I think they've won seven of the last ten. So, like, they came yeah. into this game pretty strong. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was looking up, like, they've won nine of the last 12. And during that stretch, they have two wins over Carolina. Again, a team I think we all believe is really good. And two wins over Dallas, who's been off to a great start. So it's like the Avs, even as banged up as they are, have still been able to beat other good teams, but not the Bruins. <laughs> like they weren't even able to to keep it close. Exactly. The it wasn't even a back and forth game. It was it was it was all Boston. And to my point about that, like when when Colorado is has injuries and they come across a strong team like Boston, it shows right. But when the Bruins have their their guys injured and their depth tested, they've risen to the occasion because they have that depth and they have that next minute mentality. Not that the defending champions don't have that mentality. Like Colorado's been there, they've done that, they know what it takes, they get it. Okay, this is not this is not against Colorado. But what I would say to people that are, you know, saying, oh well, you know, Colorado, they had a bunch of guys out. Well, okay, well, it's not like the Bruins were on their heels and scraped by with a shootout victory. Like, okay, they had guys out, and the Bruins made it look like they had guys out. So they did exactly what a good team would do in this situation, which was they didn't – it wasn't all that close. I'm not saying it wasn't competitive between the whistles. I'm just saying, like, the Bruins just were never on their heels besides a couple of minutes in the third period, and they're already up three goals at that point, or I I guess two. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the Bruins, look, it's it's, – they're a very, very, very deep team. That is for sure. They – this – this offensive system with Jim Montgomery, you know, it, it, it really, it's really showing in some players that were offensively anemic last year. Um, you know, Nick Felino, we've talked about at nauseum. Um, another, another really, really staple moment for him tonight. Uh, he gets hit from behind. It wasn't the, it wasn't the worst hit in the world, but you know, it, it could have been a minor penalty. Um, but he gets up and he, and he, he exchanges, uh, you know, right hands with, um, I forget his first name, but uh, England for for Colorado, big big defenseman on the back end, and it was yeah. a really strong fight. Like that was that was a that was a heavyweight type type fight, and just you know, um, but you know he he's had a resurgence. Obviously, Nick Foligno. I mean, and we're gonna get into Trent Frederick. He's another guy who's just like really really playing well. So yes, the Bruins. Look, are the Bruins gonna play? You know, uh, are they gonna are they gonna play the Islanders or or the Sabers? You know, on a on a weeknight in in December or January and, and lose and throw up a dud. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to happen, but like, you know, overall this team is just really, really, really impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, just looking over the numbers, it's like all the Bruins' top three lines, like all won their battles for the night, and and you know, Montgomery like said this after the game, and it was almost like like he didn't want to brag too much, but you know, because like in his opening comments, he talked about how like yeah, like it was it was a really good win for us. Like we know the Avalanche are a little banged up. You know, we might be facing a stronger team when we go out there, if they get guys back, like, you know, like did that. And then some, someone asked like straight up, like, what did you think when it was best on best, your top line versus their top line? And he's like, I thought we controlled play. And they did like the, the you got the Bergeron line against the McKinnon line uh, with Lindholm and McAvoy on the Bruins defense and, and Taves McCarr on the Avs defense. You got that matchup a lot. And the the Bruins won it. Like McKinnon, McCarr, Taves, those guys were all sub fifty percent in terms of Corsi. They're all sub fifty for sub fifty percent in terms of expected goals. Uh, McCarr was on the ice for just talking five on five, one goal against, none for McKinnon, two against, none for Devin Taves, three against, zero for like. So it's not just that, like, oh, the Bruins beat up on on the Avalanche's depth guys who, you know, some of them might not be in the lineup in a couple of weeks. No, like, they they beat the top guys, too. They won those battles as well. And then add in what their second and third lines do. Pasenak scores twice. One on the power play, but another, you know, a breakaway sprung by Krejci. And then the third line scores twice with Trent Fredericks uh, scoring both. And one was a shift where Taylor Hall actually wasn't even out there. It was uh, things that kind of got jumbled because of uh, special teams. And Zaka was out there with them. And it's the give and go between McAvoy and Zaka. Coyle, good puck protection, that shift. And ends with Frederick burying a rebound. And then the second one, again, McAvoy makes quick play up to Coyle. Coiled to haul over to Frederick on, on the rush and, and buries it. And that line was, I think, really good all night. I, you know, I tweeted in like the third period that I thought it was a great game for Frederick, even besides the goal. And then he gets a second goal on top of it to just kind of, you know, cherry on top of a, of a really good game for him. But yeah, it's like, so the Bruins top guys can win battles against the other team's top guys. And then you add that depth and it's like, forget it like at least what the avalanche have right now for like their second and third fourth lines isn't going to stack up and look the abs are going to get basically like a full second line back when they get some of their injured guys back but it's you know but you're talking about one of the the abs are one of the deeper teams in the nhl they just won the cup and you look at it and you're like man like i don't even know if their depth stacks up it, there's just there's not many teams that, that can. No, and I think I think a couple of stats to back that up is, you know, you're 23 games into the season, and the Bruins only have four one-goal games in 23, four one-goal games. And obviously, the majority of those, if not all of them, uh, maybe all but one, are, are victories. So it's just – and, you know, they're plus 44 overall. Uh, in goal differential, which is insane. I mean, uh, New Jersey, who everybody talks about New Jersey, 
they're plus 36. So you're you're eight better than even New Jersey in, in goal differential. And then after New Jersey, it's a severe drop off to the to the third team overall, which is Toronto. I'm talking in the Eastern Conference, and they're 13. They're plus 13. So it's you want to talk about stacking up. Nobody nobody right now has has the depth, the structure, and the work ethic, and just the the chemistry that the Bruins have right now. It, it's it's insane. I mean, look, let's keep it to the Eastern Conference, right? It's easy to talk about Colorado because they were the game tonight, and you're going to see them again next week, and you got Vegas on Monday, and you got Vegas again following that. Um, then you got Arizona sandwiched in. So you got a bit of a West Coast slate of games here, but you keep it to the Eastern Conference. You look at these Eastern Conference teams. I mean, New Jersey, and you and I talked about this last week um, or the other day, but – the Bruins play the Devils for the first two times this year, later this month. And the Bruins play the Devils in New Jersey twice in a five-day stretch. In between that is a Senators game. The Bruins are going to Ottawa to play the Senators. My point is they play the Devils on the second of two separate back-to-backs in Newark in a five-day stretch, which is just the most very silly, very silly scheduling. But we'll see how they stack up against New Jersey, even with those those um, you know conditions going in. But the Eastern Conference, we all know, but we know Toronto's story. We know we know we know that they're top heavy. We know that they have ghosts against Boston. They're not they're not they're not great defensively. We saw them. We just saw them play Tampa twice. Tampa, despite their winning pedigree, they don't have the depth anymore to match up with Boston on paper. We saw them play Carolina. Carolina, I would argue, has pretty good depth, but they lack star power. Um, you know, and then you get down to the Islanders and Pittsburgh and it's Detroit and the Rangers. I'm telling you, it's, it's the Bruins conference to, to lose far and away. Um, the Bruins have the depth, but they have the star power. A lot, a lot of teams have one or the other, the Bruins, they have both. And the other team when healthy that has that, you just saw them play tonight. Granted they were injured, but you mentioned it last podcast, Scott. Vegas, I don't think is too banged up, so we should see a pretty, pretty good match on Monday when when they come to town. So, man, they th- this Bruins team has it all, and it's kind of what we talked about last episode, where it's like, yes, I'm expecting them to win. I'm expecting them to 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 go, go to the finals for sure. The Bruins, I'll put it this way, Scott, and I'll throw it back to you. The Bruins on paper and on the ice are far and away through 23 games, and I don't see it slowing down, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Therefore, if they don't represent their conference in the Cup Finals, somewhere along the way, they will have had to have choked. Barring some injury to season-ending injury to a key player like that I don't know about right now, but based off what we've seen, this is their conference to uh, to lose, and, and they're playing it like it every single night. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and obviously injuries can always 
be the great equalizer. Like all, all it takes is, you know, God forbid, like a Bergeron or a Pasternak or McAvoy. Like one of those guys goes down and it changes an awful lot. But you're right. Like take that out of it because you can't predict that for any team. Just saying, you know, healthy or very close to it. Uh, yeah, that they sh- they are and should be the best team in the Eastern Conference. And yeah, like there's there's a trade deadline. Teams teams will make moves, but you know, everyone's tied up against the Cavs. It's not like anyone's going out and adding like two eight million dollar players. Like someone might be able to fit one of them in in like some sort of trade where salaries retained or whatever. Um, you know, we'll see if like something ends up happening with Patrick Kane. Like that's still a huge name that's possibly going to be out there. But um, yeah, like no one's going to be able to add enough where it's like, oh, they just overtook the Bruins and the Bruins might have enough space to like add a depth piece if they need it. You know, right now you're like, you're like, I don't know, like they don't even need anything, but we'll see where they are come trade deadline. They might need, you know, another defenseman if say like Jacob Zaboro still hasn't picked it up or, you know, a Mike Riley's gone by then or Strawman's not back or whatever. Um, but like they'll, they'll probably have the space to be able to add like one piece. It probably won't be a star or anything, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it, like, it, it feels weird like having this conversation because it's like, man, I think that's still so far off. You know, we're still only 23 games in like, a little over the quarter quarter of the season, but to your point, it, it's like what you know. How much is going to drastically change between now and then? Like what? No one's add. No one's getting back like four great players. Where it's like, oh well, we haven't even seen anything close to to their best team. And for the Bruins, you know, if you're looking for like reasons to think they're going to fall off or whatever, like what would they even be like, you know what I mean? Like who's, who's way overperforming that's going to fall off a cliff. Like, I, I think Linus Elmark is a really good goalie. Now, do I think he's going to win the triple crown? Because right now he is, he leads the NHL and wins save percentage and goals against average. No, he might not quite do that, but I don't know. <laughs> like maybe he will. He, he just keeps rolling, so who knows? Um, you know, Ambus Lindholm's offense production has dipped a little, which I think we all knew it would at some point. You know, he he's never been like a 60-point scorer, but he's still playing really good hockey. Um, you know, who who else? Like, okay, Connor Clifton's had a breakout season. I don't see any reason that can't continue. Uh, Felino's been much better than last year, okay, but Felino looks like how he used to look, so that could absolutely be there to stay. The top guys we know are great. Like they, they've done it plenty throughout their careers. So you look around and it's like, uh, all right. So if you, if you think, if you're still looking for like a reason to not believe or be hesitant or whatever, like what would you point to and be like, well, that can't, can't keep up because yeah, we all know like the record wise, like, yeah, they're not going to go at a, 20 and three pace all season and finish, you know, whatever that would put them at like 70 and 13 or something. But, um, but just in terms of like quality of the team uh, up and down the lineup, 
there's no reason to think that it can't more or less continue. Like, like there is, there's nothing that you can point to right now and be like, oh, well, that's super fluky. And to that point, Scott, like the Bruins are twenty and three. They're plus forty four in goal differential. You know, they have the number one offense in the league. I think I should double check that. Yeah, but with but, number one offense, number one defense, number three power play, number two penalty kill. With all that said, right? So with all those accolades you just mentioned, and, and they're at the top of the league in just about every category, you know that they only have three players on the roster that are averaging over a point per game. It's Pasternak, Marshand, and McAvoy. So when you when you pose the question like who's overperforming to such a level where it's unrealistic to expect it to continue nobody the guys that are over a point per game are the guys that you expect to and everybody else is just chipping in i mean bergeron 20 points Krejci 19 points in 20 games uh lindholm 18 points debrusque 17 hall 16 zaka 16 felino 13 um mcavoy 12 coil 10 frederick 9 like clifton eight Greer seven like the list goes on everybody like, everybody's pitching in and in when I say pitching in I mean just that they're pitching in like they're not they're not going crazy over the top and they're not they're not giving you nothing like the guy like we talk about we're gonna talk about Trent Frederick in a minute but like you talk about Trent Frederick and or Nick Felino and it it feels like they're contributing at a pace at which they can't keep up but that's only because we're so used to them giving us essentially nothing, right? Like nine points for Frederick, 13 for Felino in 23 games or so, depending on if a few of them missed a game. I think actually, I think I think Frederick did miss a couple and Felino may have missed one or so. Maybe not. But regardless, uh, to your point, like everybody's just doing what they're supposed to do, not to pull a Bill Belichick phrase because, you know, it's not going too hot for Bill right now. But um, everybody's just doing their job. And uh, it's it's not unrealistic to expect these individual individual paces to continue, um, at all. I mean, the only guys that are over a point per game are the guys that have the talent to be over a point per game. It's it's simple. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to see. And you know, Pashnak gets a couple more goals tonight. Both of them were beautiful in their own ways. Uh, one time on the power play, and then a, a very very nifty silky breakaway goal. Um, that's so that gets him to I want to say. 16 goals in the year. He's top five in both scoring and um, goals. So he's, he's, he's playing great. And then everybody else is just slotting in perfectly. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I guess, I guess this is probably a good, good time to bring up Trent Frederick. Um, yeah. Just quick, quickly before you do, but when you were just running through the numbers, when you said coil 10, I was like, really, that's it. Like, like that's one player where I'm like, I feel like he's better than maybe what those numbers would show. Like he, I think Coyle's had a really strong season and you know, part of that's probably like, he's not playing second power play anymore. So it's all going to be five on five, but he's contributing in other ways. Like he's taken more D zone shifts than he has in the past. And he's definitely killing penalties a lot more. Like he's, it's either, either him or no or number one on the team at, uh, among forwards and, and penalty kill time. So, um, yeah, like he, he he's having a really good season and uh you know, I think has been good offensively and it's like you know, and those numbers don't even really don't even really pop for Coyle. Um I'm glad you actually mentioned that because 
you're totally right. That that is a little bit surprising to see him only have six goals and four assists. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, ten points in twenty three games is you know it's it's fine. But you're right though. Like I, in my mind, he's been one of their. He, I think he's been doing. I think he's been playing his role for this team as well as anybody else in their role for this team, maybe except for like, you know, the goaltender and, um, you know, your leading scorer and your top defenseman, but like Charlie Coyle, he's added, he has added a, uh, an element of, of, I don't want to say grit. Cause he's always been a hard worker. I guess he's added an edge to his game. Uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's getting involved after whistles, not in an over the top way, just in like a, He's not taking shit from anybody type way. It's um, he's really he's really he's really thriving in this role right now. Um, he's using his size in every way possible. He's holding on to pucks. He's playing confident. Um, he he's a he's a player to be reckoned with out there, and, and it's really encouraging to see because when you have that kind of size, I mean, I think off the ice, Charlie Coyle is probably as nice of a person as you'll come across, and um. I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes your person, your real life personality can, can, you know, slip into your, into your on ice game just because that's who he is as a person, but he's definitely kind of flipped a bit of a switch and he has a bit of a mean streak this year. And, uh, and he's been playing fantastic, I think. Um, And I guess one other comment before we move on to, uh, to, to Frederick is I do want to mention the fourth line, because I don't know if we're going to naturally talk about them much after this game, but the way that this fourth line is playing, they're pl- they, I didn't expect because last year, Nosik and Felina were not known for their speed, right? Um, and we and you know AJ Greer wasn't on the team, but not only has AJ Greer as an individual added size and speed through himself, but because Felino is a totally new player, he's playing much faster, and Nosik is playing pretty fast too. Their tempo and physicality as a line. It's not apples to apples, but it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the identity that Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck took on in, in 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 on Long Island for a few years there. I mean, they're still together, I think, but I don't know if they're as effective. But they just when they go out there, they play responsible, they play in your face, and they're also capable of scoring. Um, so I didn't really, you know, it's a it's a it's a great uh, pleasant surprise. Uh, because while AJ Greer is new to this team, we watched no second Faluna last year, and they weren't they weren't giving you this. Um, but so anyway, um, Trent Frederick Scott, he's a player we've talked about a lot in the past about uh, you know leaving us wanting more, tons of inconsistency. He's been pretty consistent this year, and he's playing with confidence. He's making plays with the puck on his stick. And tonight, I think was the take the goals aside. Did you see him matching Nathan McKinnon stride for stride on 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 back checking him? Yeah. Now, granted, McKinnon McKinnon has a puck on the stick, and Frederick's got free strides. But like, man, that was not something that this kid was doing last year. Yeah, and Montgomery talked about that after the game. Like, uh, he was asking, you know, like, what's the key for him like is it just moving his feet and he was like yeah like that's that's pretty much the whole thing like when he's moving his feet he's a really good player um when he's not you know he can tend to he didn't use the word disappear this is just me talking but 
Like we know that, like, you know, when he's, we've seen that Trent Frederick who goes out there and glides around a little bit and can disappear for stretches. Um, that's not what he's doing now. Like he's, whether it's to your point, back checking, whether it's for checking, whether it's puck on a stick, driving the net, like whatever it is, he's, he's moving his feet and he's going places with purpose. And, uh, you know, gets rewarded with the two goals tonight. But like I said earlier, I thought even besides that, he just had a really good game. He nearly set up coil for another goal would have been a goal. If not for a good glove save from a uh, Pavel Francis, who, by the way, I thought despite giving up five goals, had like a pretty strong game for the Avs, made a lot of good saves. Like that game could have easily gone to seven or eight. I mean, um, they had a lot of, a lot of really good chances. And yeah, Frederick, it's, I think he's definitely one of the players who has benefited from the coaching change. Cause we talked to him after the game and, you know, like some, someone asked like, you know, where do you feel confident? Like, you know, how are you getting that confidence or whatever? And he, he mentioned it, you know, his line mates first, which obviously playing with coil and Taylor hall helps. Um, but then he mentioned the coaching staff. He said, like, Monty does a good job, but kind of like, you know, building me up, showing me like good things I'm doing or whatever. And it's, you get the sense that that's probably a little bit different of an approach from Bruce Cassidy, who, you know, I don't think Bruce Cassidy wasn't like a tear guys down type coach. I, you know, don't want to exaggerate anything, but I think was more likely to just bluntly point out mistakes. And in the heat of the moment on the bench, maybe do do so in, you know, a pretty harsh way at times. Um, and, you know, you can say whatever you want about, like, well, players should be able to handle that or whatever. And, yeah, it would be great if every player could. Um, but you think of, you know, a Frederick or a guy like Jake DeBrusque, and it seems like that just wasn't the approach for them. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about them, but it's, they're on the team. So as long as they're here, like you've got to try to find a way to get, get it out of them. And I do think those two guys in particular, but plenty of other guys on the team as well. I just think Montgomery's approach works better for them. And uh, I think you see that in the play for both of them. It's not the only reason why they're having strong seasons. Um, Far from it. They, they both deserve plenty of credit on their own. Um, but I think it's helped. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. No doubt about it. It's the 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 proof is in the pudding at this point. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm a huge Bruce Cassidy fan. I think he's a great coach. Um, I do I do believe players need to be held accountable and be held to a certain standard at that at this level. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to deny the reality of, of that's, you know, everybody's different and it's, you know, there's, it's just not the world, right? Like the, the reality is there were players that were disgruntled, whether I agree with it or others disagree with it, it doesn't really matter. Like certain players weren't loving, um, you know, the relationship they have with the coach and, and they had a bit of a new lease on life. You can, you can take that information and, and have your own opinion about that. Um, but that's just the reality. And, 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 you know, 
Um, I think I saw online somewhere that Trent Frederick is on pace for 20 goals this year. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Cassidy fan. If, if Bruce is here this year, I don't think you're getting that out of Trent Frederick. Um, I think, you know, you also, yeah, I don't know. It's so it, look, I, I don't want, I don't want to sit here and say what success Bruce would or wouldn't have with this team this year. If you were still here, it's, it's a silly game to play. So I'm not going to, but there's no doubting that, um, you know, a handful, at least a handful of players are playing, um, you know, a little bit more free. Um, and I, and, and look, I, I think, I think a lot of people can, that have played sports um, throughout at one point in their life uh, may or may not have had, you know, a coach that they weren't too fond of and, um, you know, could only imagine, you know, if, if, if that person wasn't around anymore and it was, it, it would, it would, it would make a difference. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch on Monday when Bruce comes to town. Um, I'm sure both teams will be revved up for that one. Um, not only because they're two of the top teams in the league, um, but I'll tell you, if the, <laughs> I mean, Bruce is experienced enough to know the only games that matter in the postseason. Um, I mean, obviously you got to get there, but you know, when it comes to regular season games, you know, this is when he wants to win because you know, if the if the if the Golden Knights beat Boston in Vegas, that's great, right, for Vegas. But he wants to beat the Bruins in Boston. Um, no doubt about that one. Um, I want to I, I want to bring up. One thing that if I have to nitpick, and this is not me, uh, I'm not concerned. I just want to bring it up because I just noticed it looking at the stats. It's actually it's actually good news because the Bruins are so dominant right now, and this is not even in their favor. Um, Brad Marchand, I thought he played phenomenal tonight. He was he was every single night he brings the effort. He's he's an all world player. Um, Marchand has 19 points. In 15 games played this year. However, I I would like to highlight that 13 of his 19 points this year are on the power play. Uh, I'm I, I'm not a math whiz. I would imagine that's what like 65% or something like that. Um, so the Bruins the Bruins are are playing the way that they are, and arguably their best overall player in the heartbeat of their team is hasn't broken out five on five yet with the scoring and that's okay. It's a long season. He's going to, I'm, I'm just highlighting that like the Bruins are playing this solid and he hasn't even broken out five on five yet. Um, he's scoring, um, but mainly on special teams. Uh, DeBrusque too, uh, eight of eight of 17 points from DeBrusque are on the power play. Um, you know, so though, I guess what I'm saying is that line has been really good, but, Five on five, they haven't been lighting up the score sheet. A lot of it's been done on the on, on the power play. Uh, I, I'm not asking you if you're worried because I know your answer is no, just like my answer is no. I just I, I just wonder if it's something that you've picked up on as well. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think that line is still drastically outchancing, outshooting opponents. So to your point, I'm not worried, but. Um, I know, you know, Martian has talked about this a little bit recently and uh, even after tonight's game, like he, he hasn't been happy with his five on five game. He feels like he's still, um, definitely not where he wants to be or where he thinks he's going to be. So maybe some of that is still, you know, recovery from injury. I, I, I don't know, but, um, you know, you certainly see plenty of stretches where he doesn't look 
impacted at all. Like he looks like vintage Marchand. So I do think it's only a matter of time. And I know his assist um, tonight came in the power play, but I thought he and that line were great five and five as well. He drew two penalties in the first period. So those are five and five plays. Um, and Montgomery said that after the game that he thought it was, he thought it was the best five on five game Martians had all season. And Martian after the game said that, you know, he felt better. Like he thought this was a, like a real step in, in the right direction for him. And I, I think when, when he's saying that, like he's talking about, even without, you know, specifically saying it, he's talking about five on five. Cause obviously he's going to be pretty thrilled with what he's been doing on the power play. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's coming like that. That line's too good. He's too good. Um, you know, there's probably going to, there's going to be a game where like they score three at five on five and then, and then it's over. Like then, then there's no more droughts. So I, I do feel like one of those games is coming soon. where like, we're going to jump on here after and be like, Hey, like all three guys in that line scored a five and five goal tonight or something like that. I mean, I guess you can make the argument. We could be having that conversation tonight. Um, because Jake DeBrusque did score, uh, I believe that was five on five, his, his goal at the end of the game. Um, but also earlier on in the game, he scored a goal that was, that was ruled, uh, no goal because the, the net came off the pegs, which Scott, can you explain to me like this? When I was watching the replay, I was like, all right, I don't think it's a, a distinct kicking motion. I think that the puck just hit his skate in a stopping motion which it did i was like if they call this a goal because of a kick i said that they're just blind never in my mind did i think that they would disallow it because the goal came off the pegs because we we've seen many goals this year in bruins games and other games around the league where if the puck is entering the net if it's going across the goal line clearly um and then the net goes off the moorings in the midst of that for one reason or another it's been it's been ruled like no 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 that wasn't that wasn't going to affect the puck going across the line. Like that's a goal. And for some reason tonight, the refs just ruled the opposite of that. And it's like, I'm, if you want to call it no goal, I'm I'm fine with it. If you explain to me how it's different than same situations that they, they rule in favor of it is, I don't understand the difference. I think the difference might be that they ruled or in their minds, DeBrusque knocked it off on his own and wasn't, I mean, there was definitely a little bit of a, of a push from the defenseman there, but I guess maybe in their minds, like DeBrusque didn't do enough to avoid knocking the net off or he's the one who caused it or whatever. So that's the only thing I can think of other than that. Like, yeah, the puck was clearly going across and the net moving didn't matter. So, um, yeah, that was a weird one. Cause at first I, I actually thought it, was enough for a distant kick, kicking motion, but then another angle looked like it went off his other, like went looked like it went off the left skate. So I don't know. Like obviously there was, you know, kind of two different things at play. They didn't mention anything about a kick, so I don't think that factored in. Um, but yeah, the knocking the net off thing, like whatever. If if it were, if it were a close game, it'd obviously be more of a controversy, and we'd be talking about that. Uh, it was funny. To, so to, the goal that DeBrusque did score was his 100th career goal. Um, so that first one, you know, would have been had it, you know, stood after review. 
So he, he was asked, like, did someone get the puck and then you had to give it back? And he was like, I don't even know, actually. Like, good question. Because, um, you know, Bruins did, like, the obviously got him the puck. They put the label on there. He took the picture with it after the game, all that. Um, but, yeah, that one uh, had to wait on the first one. And, like I said, a closer game, we, you know, might have, like, an actual controversy on our hands. But, yeah, I don't know exactly how they came to that conclusion or, or why the net moving really mattered. Yeah. Well, that's all I want to know. I mean, score aside, regular season, postseason. I just want to know, I just want to know what the rule is. So I'm not, you know, confused watching the broadcast and yeah, on the broadcast, Jack and brick kept, they were convinced it was a kicking motion. And I was watching like, cause I, I knew all along it hit his left skate, which was, he was using to stop. Um, so I was like, I was like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, why, why do they all think that he's kicking this? It's a stopping motion. But then I realized from certain angles, it looked like it was his right foot that hit it. And yes, that looked like he was kicking, but it hit the other foot. Uh, regardless, Scott, I, I know I brought up the five-on-five scoring with Martian and Nebraska, but I I, I, I do want to, um, and you know, it is ironic I brought that up because they did have a five-on-five goal and could have been two. But I do want to talk about the... Um, I just love the different ways at which the Bruins scored five on five tonight. Um, you know, the first one, because Pashnax was a power play. His breakaway goal was a breakaway. That was even strength. Um, but, you know, that was kind of a broken play and they took advantage of it. He kind of fled the zone. But the other three even strength goals, I just loved them because it, it, it wasn't an avalanche player breaking a stick or going over a stick and the Bruins taking advantage. It was it was game plan by the Bruins and they were all so different from each other. Like you can tell that they, I mean, okay. The, uh, the first Trent Frederick goal that was McAvoy was in the neutral zone. He, he read that coil, kept it in. So we stepped back in and then his natural ability just took over. Right. He, he, he moved the puck down low to Zaka. Um, but then he kept going to the net. It was, it was, it, it's giving goes are so simple, but like, you don't see him that often and they executed it perfectly. And, you know, on his way to the goal, as Zaka passes the puck back to McAvoy, McAvoy at the last hour, at the last second, lifts McKinnon's stick while receiving the pass. So it's just it's such, such an, an elite smart play takes the puck to the goal. Frederick bangs in the rebound. Okay. That's the first one. The second one that I wanted to talk about was the, um, the coil, I mean, the, uh, the Frederick second goal, that's in transition. So the Bruins scored tra- a goal in transition, you know, stepping up in the neutral zone, um, you know, Taylor Hall feeds, feeds Frederick and, you know, he buries it. And, and then the third one was 10 seconds later. And it's like Bergeron enters the zone and does the most deliberate forehand bank pass. Usually you see a guy into the zone and just kind of chip with his backhand off the boards to behind he did it with his forehand it was so deliberate he knew that nobody was going to get that puck besides the incoming defense which was Derek forward on the strong side and in an instant he throws it to the net off the pad and then there's uh debrusque with the rebound and it was just like it wasn't tic-tac-toe but it kind of was and anyway i just i was just very impressed at the different ways that the bruins are generating scoring chances at five on five it's that's that's what tells you how good of a team they are because they're not they're not relying on one line they're not relying on special teams it's every line and it's a variety of ways and obviously tonight was despite the injuries that they have was a you know a very quality opponent 
Yeah, and it's it's just chemistry. Like it's just connectivity because to your point, like some of those weren't like they weren't really set plays. Like maybe they've come up at some point in practice, but a lot of it is just like like McAvoy gets the puck and Zach is there, you know, kind of standing off the side of the net and you use him for a give and go. Like that's, you know, it's not to your point, like that's not a play you see a, a whole heck of a lot. Like the way McAvoy's coming in, you know, you might almost expect him to try to take, I think, I think it was McKinnon in front of him, like take him one-on-one, you know, cut to the inside type thing. Instead he sees Zaka and you basically use the give and go to, to beat the defender. Um, you know, th- that Bergeron play you, you talked about, like usually like when you get over the line and you pull up, you're, you're pulling up facing the middle of the ice. So you're seeing all your options. Bergeron turns towards the boards. Like a- again, just because he's like, he knows four boards, the option. So, you know, it doesn't matter if he's turning his back to the rest of the play. Um, using rebounds, like, you know, assist to uh to um Francois pads like Mac McAvoy you could tell it was almost like he was like that was like a pass off the goalie's pads basically like McAvoy throws that backhander on and you he knows no chance of scoring there but he did, also doesn't have like a totally clear passing lane to Frederick so he goes for the rebound knowing like Frederick's there and, and it, that's probably going to lead to something good. Um, Forward shot is just, you know, classic point shot for a rebound low off the pad. And DeBrus is right there crashing. So, yeah, and I thought we, you know, we've seen that on plenty of plays recently and plenty of other plays besides the goals, but yeah, it, it I thought it was like a great game to show just how connected this team is and how they just seem to be reading off each other so well, because a lot of that isn't, you know, it, it's just in the moment stuff. It's not set plays. It's not, uh, you know, your classic three on two rush you work on all the time. It's it's just finding the open teammate and, and making something happen, getting to space. Yeah, it, it's they're not set plays. They're just high percentage plays. They're smart plays. It's intelligent hockey, and I have to believe that that's a that's a lot of Jim Montgomery. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery was a was a really good offensive player in his playing days at Maine. He played alongside Paul Correa um, when they won a state championship. And, you know, I just think that obviously the Bruins clearly by their goals against, like you said earlier, they're one in goals for one in goals against. Um, they are not, they're not sacrificing, you know, defense for offense. The, the, like they're constantly covering for each other. Um, the, the awareness from player to player when they're on the ice is, is at a very high level. Um, you know, defensemen are, you know, Charlie McAvoy is not jumping down um, on that give and go. If he's not positive and not, and, and um, doesn't know that one of my teammates is covering for me. Um, you know, so I just think that Montgomery is, you know, these guys are all, they're all professional hockey players. They've all gotten to the NHL, um, you know, in one capacity or another, and they know what they're doing. And I just think that Jim Montgomery is kind of letting these guys play hockey. Uh, I think sometimes 
you know, over the last like 15 years or so, I think that the game has really, it's become very robotic in a sense where, um, you know, these coaches have these systems in place and, you know, on when, when you dump the puck in, you, you know, where F1 is F2, F3 and you, and okay. If the puck goes, if they go D to D, this guy's going and this guy's covering. And I just think that players tend to think too much. They, they're, 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 they're reacting instead of acting. And I think that Montgomery trusts his players and they know how to play responsible, but when it, when they're in the offensive zone, I just think he's letting them kind of like, not they're not playing pawn hockey, but they're just they're playing the game. Like le- they're letting their instincts take over, and they're trusting that their teammates will be there to cover for them. And they, you know, th- I'm not saying they don't have their systems and they don't have their forecheck schemes. Of course they do. I'm just saying like they're allowing the boys to just kind of play the game. And uh, I think it's, I think when you when you when you allow that uh, culture to kind of be in a locker room, I think that it. It uh, enhances creativity. It, it allows players to take take chances and trust their instincts as long as they understand that they have to be responsible. Um, and you add that to, like I said, like the 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 high the high uh, you know high intelligent plays, and um, you you have goals in a variety of different ways. You know, you're not looking at you're not they're not trying to find the perfect pass. I mean, that McAvoy wants a perfect example, like like you said. You know, most guys in that situation would try to find the guy back door for a tape to tape pass, right? But McAvoy probably saw, yes, don't think that's getting through. So I'm going to throw it to an area where it might get to him and uh, high percentage stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they're rolling right now. And we've talked about it. They're not going to skate through the whole season um, playing this way, I, I would imagine. But it's, they're, they're so deep. And it's just like, you know, like I said, off the top, four one goal games out of 23 you you, you, if you're an opponent you're kind of like well we have to play pretty perfect just to kind of give ourselves a chance to beat these guys so yeah it's great stuff yeah and you know a couple more tough games coming up you mentioned vegas on monday and the the return of bruce cassidy which by the way debrusque was asked about that after the game like is there any extra motivation and you know, without directly saying, like, did you ask him that? No, I, I didn't. It wasn't me, actually. Um, but like, without directly saying, like, I didn't like Cassie or anything. Like, he, he did acknowledge, like, yeah, like obviously there's a little bit extra there. Um, you know, but then he got, like, he also went on to point out, like, we're playing Vegas. We're not just playing Bruce Cassidy. We gotta beat the guys on the ice. Um, and then the the West Coast road trip, Colorado. The random Arizona game in the middle get our uh, first taste of Mullet Arena. Um, you know, playing on a college campus. And I'd love to go to that game. That'd be that actually would be really fun to travel yeah. to. Yeah, this would be a great road trip to be on. Color Colorado, check out the Arizona State Arena, and then uh, and then Vegas. So, um, fortunately, I'm not going. But uh, yeah, that that would be a good one. And will continue to be a good test again like i said off the top like this was the the stretch the nine game and you know obviously there's plenty more tough games to come but this was like the nine games that we all had highlighted and they're now five games into it and they're four and one so 
uh, you wrap up the home portion of it with Vegas on Monday and then finish it off on the road. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where they're at, but man, so, so far pretty damn good. You know, what's you know, what's you know, what's crazy is like, if you were to tell me or tell anybody, yeah. Um, the Bruins, the Bruins are going to lose at Fenway park this year before they lose at TD garden. <laughs> I'd, probably, <laughs> I'd probably say, huh? Uh, not, that's not me foreshadowing a winter classic loss, but like, that's, that's a real possibility. I mean, how many home games do they have before the winter classic, like probably four or five. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to get to that, I mean, if you, if, if they enter the winter classic undefeated at home and they're for, and they end up losing the winter classic at Fenway, that, that would be kind of ironic. Um, yeah, they got a home, they got one home loss, but it wasn't at the garden. <laughs> um, that would, that would be interesting, but yeah, I mean. It's it, it's a fun team to watch, and uh, I think I speak for the two of us when I say I'm just enjoying every moment of it because you know next year we, who knows who knows what happens next year. I mean maybe maybe Krejci and Bergeron find a way to come back, um, and they keep most of the game together somehow. I don't or, or you know most of the irreplaceable parts together, but I don't, you know tomorrow's not guaranteed with this team. So right now uh, this is pretty this is pretty fun. This is one of the funner this is one of the funner um, Bruins teams to watch since um a couple of teams stand out to me i remember they were a very 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 fun team to watch in 2008 2009 uh the year after they took montreal to seven as an eight seed that kind of put the bruins back on the map i think they they lost to the sharks for the president's trophy by like a point and that's back back when the sharks were filthy uh but similar similar season like they just like kind of rolled through everybody i mean not not this much i mean nobody's done this obviously this is history uh and then again in you know, 13, 14, they, you know, they were pretty filthy. Uh, and that's not even counting the, the years that they went to the cup finals and obviously won a couple, but this is a very fun team to watch. I think, I think the sky's the limit for this team uh, as long as they stay healthy. So um, did you have anything else you wanted to go over Scott? No, I was just going to say like, to your point, it, like it, it is they're just so enjoyable to watch every game. And, you know, thinking about this recently, cause like people, especially in Boston, people always try to make the point of like, Oh, well, Boston fans, media, like thrive off negativity or like, you know, they almost want to see teams like fail more than they succeed. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like I, I work in the Boston media and I got to tell you, I really enjoying watching the Bruins and Celtics this year, a heck of a lot more than watching the Patriots who are quite frankly, a pretty boring team to watch and, you know, don't really seem to be going anywhere. Enjoying the Bruins and Celtics a lot more than I enjoyed watching the Red Sox this past season. Like it, it yeah, like we all have jobs to do, and when things aren't going well, you still gotta find things to write about and talk about. But like it's a lot more enjoyable when when they're not only winning, but like playing an exciting brand of whatever sport it is. So in this case, yeah, it, in, an incredibly enjoyable team to watch and just uh entertaining games like every every night that they're playing yeah for sure i mean obviously obviously you have, a, you, have a, you have individuals here and there in the media that will you know they're 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 trying to you know create headlines and be pessimistic but for the most part um you know like like look i i i call it like i see it i know you do as well scott and i think most people tend to do so as well like obviously i understand that the bruins um, you know, they've, they've left a championship on the table, in my opinion, 
with this core group over the last about you know 12, 13 years. I think you know that season I just mentioned, 0809. I mean, there were cup aspirations that year. You got bounced to in the second round on home ice because Scott Walker, who exactly scored. Um, you know, there's been a lot of take away at St. Louis, take away Chicago. There's been a couple of seasons where the Bruins had finals aspirations and they were bounced in the second round. Um, there's also been two finals losses, like I just mentioned. So, like, there's definitely an element for me where it's like, this is awesome. I love watching it, but you got to do it when it matters most. 100%. I get that. But, like, what am I supposed to do? Was I, like, I'm not. I know it's not really going to matter until April, but until then, am I just going to like keep saying that or keep thinking? No, it's like he, he, I'm going to watch the games and I'm going to I want to enjoy it. Like I, I'll worry about April when it gets there. And I'm and, and believe me, if we get to April and they and they and they're healthy and they lose to an inferior team, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it and I'm gonna be honest and 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 tell it like it is. I mean, like, but you want to talk about a city that can't enjoy regular season hockey it's toronto <laughs> i mean like talk about a team that like you know they've they've had they've had matthews up in toronto for like seven seasons now and they've been to the they've been to the playoffs seven or eight straight, straight years and they haven't made it out of the first round and you know they've had they, they've broken franchise records and points over this over that course of time too and you know you enjoy that but if you're toronto it's like they haven't even made it out of the first round so it's it must be really tough for them to like enjoy it in the moment but if toronto can enjoy their wins in the regular season I think Boston can because Boston, I think, trails only Pittsburgh and maybe certainly Chicago, certainly Pittsburgh, maybe Tampa, and maybe the Kings, but I don't know about that. I would bet you the Bruins have the third most playoff series wins in the NHL over the last 15 years. So, yes, there's been disappointing endings. Um but, but we know when the Bruins get to the postseason, they certainly are capable of making noise. And I think this year is as good a chance as any to to, to go to the promised land and and and, and take care of business. Um, so anyway, um, anything else, Scott? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah. So the Bruins play the they play Vegas on Monday. They're they got a busy schedule, busy road ahead. Um, they're every other night. I feel like all month, except for um, when Santa comes down the chimney. I think there's a couple of days they have off there. So uh, right up, right up through the Winter Classic, and even after that, I, I think they're they're kind of balls to the walls here for a little bit. So uh, there will no, be no shortage of of content to go over. Um, and I think we're all looking forward to the game Monday night. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one. It feels like they've had a lot of home games. Yes, definitely. The, like that that's going to start to balance out too. So we are going to see them play on the road more i mean so well yeah i mean they're so they've played 23 games they're 14 and 0 at home so yeah 14 home to nine road like you know what sucks is that um and this is a little bit bit of a peek behind the curtain for listeners like i would say probably 90 percent of our podcasts are recorded after a bruins game and because they've had so many home games usually like if it's a seven o'clock game game gets done at 9 30 Scott, uh, Scott and Bridget are usually in the locker room till whatever quarter of 11, they drive home or maybe like 10 30, they drive home. We usually don't start recording till like 11, 11, 15 at night, uh, on game nights when they're, when they're at the garden. So, you know, 
it's nice. It's nice that we get we get a couple uh, away games here because you guys don't travel, so we can get we can record right after. Oh, oh, but wait a minute. Oh, they're going out west now. So now, even when they're on the road, they're gonna play at nine o'clock at night local time in Colorado. Probably the same in Arizona. Maybe ten o'clock in Vegas. So these games aren't gonna be getting over to like freaking midnight and whatever. But hey, eventually they'll they'll get some East Coast away games. We can record at like nine thirty sharp. And get yeah. it done by ten thirty. <laughs> one of the one of these days. So, but hey, we we're not complaining. We enjoy doing it. But just the way the schedule turned out so far. But anywho, all right, Scott. Um, I think this is a good time to to hit the road, Jack. Um, my condolences on your on your soccer team. Uh, tough loss. Good heart. Not enough talent. Twenty twenty six. That's gonna be it. That's gonna be the big the big year. All these guys are going to be in their prime on U.S. soil. We got four years to build to it. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is a good first step. Maybe, maybe by then we'll have a we'll finally have a best on best in hockey too at some point for Christ's sake. But oh my god, I know it's it's insane. Like I gotta, this could be a whole other podcast, so I won't I won't get going. But like, I feel like that this is gonna be a huge black mark on on Gary Bettman, or at least it should be. It is in my mind. Like the fact that he is basically blocked NHL from going to the Olympics has not made the world cup any sort of priority. Like it's, it's brutal. I mean, there hasn't been a best on best in what six years. And even, and before that it was like the last Olympics. So it's, yeah, it's just stupid. And it sucks too, because like locally or domestically, um, I feel like, I feel like the U S is like entering their golden age of, of, I think think like we're, we're in it right now when you, you, Think of like Eichel, Matthews in their prime, McAvoy, Fox on defense. Like, how about two superstars that are breaking out this year? Tage Thompson and Jason Robertson. That they're like, yeah, they're they're like you know thirteen feet combined. Robertson's got like twenty two goals in twenty one games, whatever the hell it's been. It's just Tage Thompson's a star. Jack Hughes is breaking out. Zegers is on the cover of video games. Like, you know, it's just you know Patrick Kane's still playing. Who knows if he's playing by the time that they end up doing a best on best. But, like, you know, obviously you said Eichel and Matthews and, you know, the Kachuk brothers. Um, Jake Sanderson, he'll be a pretty good defenseman. Like, there's a Connor Hellebuck. Like, there's Kyle Connor. Jesus Christ. Like, I can keep going to break it. My God. It's just like it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And it's like, can we please, can we please get a best on best for Christ's sake? Maddie Beneers, I bet you will be pushing for a team by the time that comes around. He's, over in Seattle, like former second overall pick, he's playing awesome. Like, God, just so annoying. But and yes, like, the, and they also blew like any any sort of continuity because so many of these guys played together, whether it was U18s or World Juniors or whatever. Like, a lot of these guys have experience on international teams together. Yep. Uh, U.S. has obviously won multiple World Junior golds, so like, there's even there's something there. And then it's like they get to the NHL, and that just I'll get thrown out because we don't have the tournament. Like they're not going to the Olympics, you know, one world cup in what the last two and a half decades. Like it's, it's insane. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Cole Caulfield's another one. The, the younger Luke Hughes, uh, younger Hughes brother, Luke Hughes is going to be in New Jersey next year, the year after. Like, I mean, Quinn Hughes, like there's so many players. And you think back to the last time it was best on best, the U S the U S team and, 
the World Cup up in Toronto was like, you know, it was it was like Paul Stastny, it was Ryan Kessler, David Backus, Phil Kessel, like Blake Wheeler. You know, they weren't bad players, but you you compare that to what the U.S. has right now. Holy smokes, could this team can this team do some damage? I mean, you take you take away you take away McDavid, and this is unfair to do. But like, okay, you take away McDavid and McCarr from Canada, and then take away you know Matthews and maybe even McAvoy from the U.S. Like, and like you just take away both teams' top two players on both sides of the puck. It's like I think the U.S. has more depth, but who knows? That like you said, maybe another podcast. But... Well, yeah, and then even from the Canon perspective, like you're missing out on those. You just mentioned like McDavid, McCarr. You're missing on those guys' primes. You you missed what really would have been the last go around for the Marchand Crosby Bergeron line. Like had they gone to the last Olympics, that probably would have been a line again for Canada. Now, you know, Bergeron, unfortunately is probably going to be retired by the time this is the next best on best tournament. Uh, you know, Crosby might be as well. Marchand could be past his prime. Like, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I like, go, I go on all day about how, angry this makes but, me but well because like because like they canceled it because because of the the shit going on in ukraine with russia but it's am i am i mistaken about that no no, no it was covid what for for for, for a possible upcoming one? Oh they, no no oh yeah the upcoming one. yeah i thought you meant the last olympics oh no 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 yeah, yeah. no like like with with because with because they, they were talking about having the world cup of hockey like next year right and it's like because of what's going on in the ukraine with russia they nix it it's like well I don't know. Just fucking don't let Russia play then. Like have everybody else play besides Russia. I know, I know that they're a top three country at hockey and you want best on best. I get that. Believe me. But so you're going to punish everybody else. Just take away that one team. World yeah. juniors, the world juniors. I mean, did it. Yeah. But world cup just did it right. Russia got in the middle of qualifying. They kicked Russia out. Like they're still playing qualifying matches and they're just like, Nope, you're done. you like, you don't, you don't get to try to qualify for the world cup. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks. I mean, I remember when I was younger, um, the the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, I was glued to the TV. I thought, you know, it was so fun uh, to watch. And then, you know, I get a little bit older. Obviously, 2010 uh, was awesome. 2006, let's not talk about that. Um, that never happened <laughs> in Torino. That was brutal showing for the U.S. But 2010 was great. Um, 2014 was really cool. And since then, it's just been an absolute it's been non-existent. They've had one World Cup of Hockey since 2014. It sucked anyway. So, anyway, all right, Scott. Um, I've rambled enough. Um, I think this is a good time to end. So, thank you all for listening. We will talk soon. <laughs>